Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, back in the day, a little bit before my time, phone companies, before there were iPhones, had these things called switchboards. And the switchboard was actually human-operated. And the human operator, literally, when you would call and say, connect me with so-and-so, they would literally unplug a wire from one space on the board and connect your line with whoever the other person was. And it looked like a giant board of Legos or something, or you just connect one to the other. And they had to be able to move those from your line to somebody else's line. And they also had this thing called party lines. Well, a party line, and I actually experienced these. They're, they're not so old that I didn't experience them. A party line was when several people in a neighborhood actually shared the same phone line, meaning... I might pick up the phone and say, hey, I need to call uh, Aunt Judy. But when I pick up the phone, the next door neighbor on this side and somebody in another city are already talking on the phone and I literally have to wait until they're done. Or I have to tell them, hey, this is an emergency. I need to call the fire department. I need to call an ambulance. or I need to call the police. At which time the operator who is listening to the phone call would disconnect them and connect me to whoever I needed to be connected to, presuming that my statement that it's an emergency is true. Someone who's a little nefarious or immoral or corrupt in their values might actually pick up the phone and quietly listen to every other conversation in the neighborhood. An operator could do that easily. All they had to do was leave their headphones on when they plug in two people's connection. On a party line, it was common for someone to pick up the phone and say nothing and just listen really, really quietly. In fact, I knew people who used to unscrew the the microphone cap on their phone and pull it out so that they could just listen and nobody knew they were there. And they would take notes often on the gossip in the neighborhood. Now, you probably aren't willing to admit this, but uh, it still happens today. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And let me just say, if you're naive enough to believe that in your lifetime you've had a conversation that no one else has heard, unless you're pushing the century mark, chances are you're wrong. In fact, chances are this conversation, other than the microphone I'm speaking into intentionally, is being listened to. How do I know? Because I have an iPhone. And that's what they do. Well, how do you know that? Well, because if I talk about something like a storage shed or a bank loan or homeowner's insurance, you know this, you've experienced this. The next time I open up my various forms of social media, and it doesn't matter which one it is, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of them do it, I will see ads for the things that I talked about when I wasn't talking on my phone. Oh yeah, it's listening. Now, there's something a little more frightening to me, and that is the the idea that in the realm of conversation... We can ask people who have very important jobs, like heads of security, heads of data, 
of large tech companies like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. What happens when we do A, B, and C? If I mention needing a new car and I don't want my phone to eavesdrop on that conversation and send or sell that data to somebody, how do I stop it? And their answer is, I don't know. I, I can't remember. I don't recall. The problem isn't just that we're being listened to, but that those who are doing so are not only okay with it, they are so deeply invested in the borderline corrupt behavior that they refuse to out themselves or the other people that are doing it. They know the truth. They know it's morally wrong. And they know that it is counter to the values of most people. And yet not only will they not say who's actually causing it to happen, but they are actively promoting the happening. Yeah, they're, they're deeply invested in it. Financially, emotionally, relationally, career-wise, they're deeply invested now, we can take that same scenario one step further. Because, see, the sad truth is we're not just talking about the information that it does gather and utilize to maybe to serve you an ad that would be of great benefit to you. You know, the, one of the things in sales training that we learned early on was that sales training isn't about, shouldn't be about manipulating and cajoling somebody to do what they want to do, it should, what they don't want to do. It should be about expressing to them an opportunity for a service or a product that meets a need that they already have. If you sell, I don't know, cactuses made for shower loofahs, you're going to have a really hard time marketing it. And so you find that one person who says, I was awake all night last night, I couldn't sleep at all, trying to figure out where am I going to buy a loofah made of cactus. That would be the most awesome thing ever if I could simply find one loofah made of cactus. Now, of all the people in the world, there may be one who actually thinks that. And there may be one provider who actually provides that. The genius who can connect those two together should be a billionaire. And the person needing a cactus loofah and the person providing a cactus loofah should be in a great relationship together because of that connection. Back in the day, two decades ago, when I sold Yellow Pages advertising, that was part of our claim, was that we connect buyers with sellers at the time of the need. Well, how do we know that? Well, because nobody takes the yellow pages to go sit on a picnic bench and read for entertainment. Most people don't carry the yellow pages to the bathroom with them like they might a Sports Illustrated or a homemaking magazine. They just don't do that. They pick up the phone book when they need a plumber. There's a time of need and there's a specific product in mind. That's kind of the way the algorithm listens when your phone eavesdrops on your conversations and sends you the list of people who provide the service or product that you're looking for. That's not altogether a bad thing. Where it gets to be a little tricky is when it's listening to things that you would rather not that it hear and you don't get to choose what it's listening to. Also, when it decides what's important to tell someone other than a product or service provider. See, the nice thing about my Yellow Pages is when I need a plumber, I know where to find a plumber. And because Yellow Pages were local, meaning they were serving the area that I lived in, I knew I wasn't going to get a plumber from New Jersey if I'm in Dallas. 
That's very helpful. It's narrowed my search. That's made my life a whole lot easier. But I also knew that I was going to get a plumber and not a prisoner. But see this eavesdropping thing that your device is doing. It's going one step further. I don't know if you've heard of this chat GPT thing. I, I don't know if you've listened to some of the people who have began using it as a tool. You know, BuzzFeed, a journalist outlet, is using it now to write articles. Because it can do the research and the footwork faster than a human. It can look up other compatible stories and find cross-referenced information faster than you can pick up the phone and call a local private investigator or drive across town and pull out your camera and do it yourself. If there are any public feeds, social media about this event, you can get all the scoop on the story like in seconds if you just ask the right questions. Unfortunately, in the same way that you're phone might not answer certain questions for you if you were talking about, I don't know, intimate relationship with your spouse. Your phone may or may not send you ads for the products and services that go along with that. In the same way, there are some morals, some values, some truth that has been fed to ChatGPT to say, when you're asked a question like this, Here's how you answer it. That would be the same as saying, if someone looks in the yellow pages for a plumber, tell them about every plumber but Joe, because we don't like Joe. It's not that Joe's not a plumber. It's not that Joe's not a great plumber. It's not that Joe's not a great plumber two blocks from your house who has great prices and quick responses. It's not that any of that is true. It's just that, well, we don't like Joe. So we're going to completely leave him out of the options. There's evidence that ChatGPT is already aggressively going about that process. There's evidence that if you ask specific questions of ChatGPT, it will refuse to answer them. Or it will answer them in a way that you might say, well, I know better than that. I mean... I've done my homework. I'm an expert in that field. I have extensive knowledge of that field or an education in that field. And what you're telling me isn't true. But see, that will only be the case for a certain amount of time, a finite amount of time. There will be a time when those who know because they've lived through and experienced will no longer be here. You know that Today, in the USA, there are students in elementary and middle school who are thoroughly convinced that World War II and the Holocaust had no relationship to each other. In fact, there are some elementary and middle, age, middle school age kids who are thoroughly convinced the Holocaust is a myth. I remember being in the room, listening to a young lady explain how she had been taught that the Holocaust was a myth. But in the room was a woman who still had the tattoos on her arms and the evidence inside her soul that the Holocaust was not a myth. Leaders must be dedicated to the truth. Not just the convenient truth. Not just the truth that serves them well. The truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
That's what we say in a court of law. That's essential in the way that we lead. Now, I do understand, and I am human as well. I am not ChatGPT, I'm not nearly that smart, and I get that. I also know there are some facts of history to which I am completely oblivious. There are things that I don't know at all. But I'll tell you like I learned while I was in the military. When someone very wise said to me, when the IG inspector asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't lie, don't make something up, be honest and tell him, I don't know the answer to that, but I know where to find it. Be resourceful when you can't be the resource. Be resourceful when you can't be the resource. Even if the truth, when you find it, is uncomfortable. Even if, when you get to the backbone of the history, you realize just how bad that is. I was driving cross-country with a brand new friend at the time. We'd only known each other five or six months at the time. And we were driving literally all the way across the country in a truck, trapped in the front seat of a truck. We can't get away from each other. We're both eight, nine hours away from home. When the conversation about Black Wall Street comes up, he's an African-American man or a black man. I am not. I've never heard the history of Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Never heard anything about it. Used to live in Oklahoma. For a season, lived in Tulsa. Never heard the story. Never heard of Emmett Teal. Not that that information wasn't true. It was just outside my scope of knowledge. Outside my scope of experience. Gaining that knowledge changed my perspective changed my relationships, changed my conversation. That's what leadership is about. The ability to influence and be influenced by truth. But see, it takes a certain level of moral code. It takes value systems within you, core values that you hold dear. It takes the willingness to be confronted by the truth, even when it's uncomfortable to be a good leader. It also demands of you that being held in that moral compass, holding true to those core values, you tell the truth, all of it, even when it's uncomfortable for somebody else. Because to do otherwise is to manipulate. Now, I know this is not a comfortable truth, but it is a truth. ChatGPT, like many other programs on the market, maybe TikTok-ish kind of thing, Snapchat-ish kind of thing, has already been programmed to hide certain kinds of information. If you were to try to search how to make methamphetamines, you're not going to get a good answer to that. You're probably not going to get the right answer to that, thankfully, that has been scrubbed 
from easy access so every 14 year old out there who wants to make a buck or get high for a weekend isn't out there creating a criminal empire. But there are other things that have been deemed equally dangerous. Other things that have been deemed equally offensive. That are only in the realm of a certain group of people who believe those things to be dangerous. You probably can't see it on the camera angle that I'm on right now. I'll switch to this one. Behind me, you'll see my President's Lifetime Achievement Award. That's the big red framed document. On either side of that, you'll see stacks of history books. Biblical archaeology, biblical maps, Bibles and translations of Bibles. It's an area of fascination and study for me. I am a person of faith, and I do confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But you'll also see behind me books from marketing people who are not believers, Books from leadership people who are atheists, straight up. Books on, on race from people that I vehemently disagree with. But that doesn't mean that I block that knowledge from my mind or that I ignore the experiences of an Emmett Teal or a Black Wall Street. Because that would be foolish. I don't live in an echo chamber. I've learned to lead the narrative, though. And when information is being withheld, when truth is being suppressed, when core values have been reestablished counter to what is most productive for the broader of society. I take offense at that. When I hear leaders intentionally mislead, obfuscate, lie about what they know, what they did know at the time. I'm very concerned about that. Because I know that in a way of communication, the absence of truth often leads people to believe there's an absence of facts. Not the case. In fact, often, it's exactly the opposite. There's an overwhelming abundance of evidence that this thing is true. They just don't want you to know that it's true. So they'll distract. They'll hide. They'll lie. They'll manipulate. They'll over-aggrandize something else so you'll stop looking at the details and find something else more important. Look, a spy balloon. Oh, wait, that's the fifth one. Never mind. I'm just saying. Leaders need to be more responsible that. And I'm, char I'm challenging you and charging you as a leader to be more responsible than that. To take seriously the conversation that comes out of your mouth, out of your fingertips, out of your video. Are you telling all the facts as you know them? Or are you manipulating the data so that it suits you best? Leaders should have good values. They should have good morals. They should be committed to the truth, even when the facts behind the truth are inconvenient or uncomfortable. If you want to remain a leader, an impactful, influential leader, do those things. Hold those things valuable. You will see a great impact from that. 
you'll also build a whole lot of trust while other people are seeing theirs eroded. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at 9, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.